welcome to Red Space. I am Chase Parrish, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephen Alderman. Pastors speak to the people. Prophets speak to the pastors. Bereans speak to the prophets. Now, Stephen and I are not pastors. We are not prophets. We are Bereans. We are like you. And you should become like us. As we are no longer living within the world to which our parents grew up. The world is changing. America is becoming unhinged. Your community is being modified. Your culture is updating. The family is shifting. Gender is varying. The individual is mutating. The world into which Abraham was born was an evil, wicked, malevolent, and diabolical place. Nimrod had risen to the kingship, banishing from his domain those who would later come to be known as the Jews, except for one, Terah, who had earned his stripes turning against his own people, the Jews, sort of like George Soros. King Nimrod trusted Terah more than anybody else, raising him to the elite level of his pagan chief priest. One day, all King Nimrod's stargazers confirmed that there was a son to be born who would rebel against Nimrod. Always being uneasy that Terah had descended from Shem, Noah's son of the birthright, Nimrod had only just descended from Noah's accursed son, Ham, while charging Terah to annihilate all the male sons from his domain. Not being privy that a male son, Abram, was to be born of Terah, whom he'd hide in a cave for ten years. Afterwards, Terah had Abram stay with his ancestor Noah, who for hundreds of years knew Methuselah, who for hundreds of years knew Adam. In other words, Abram had personal eyewitness accounts all the way back from the Garden of Eden. Once Nimrod's Tower of Babel finally fell, Abram absconded from Noah's home to proclaim the truth. Yes, sir. Abraham was one of those men who just simply went against the grain. All of the, the cultures of the time, the religions of that time, the government of that time, the customs of that time, he ran totally in the opposite direction. And what's interesting is that he left his own homeland to do what it was that God called him to do. Um, and that's the thing that that is is always so interesting to me when we talk about these great men and women of God. You know, uh, when God calls you to do something, especially something as great is what Abraham did, which pretty much fathering pretty much the, the nation of Israel. You have to give up something. Doing what is right, what is holy, what is uplifting, what is of God is always going to cost you something. It's never going to be free. And it's interesting because Christ himself never did anything wrong to anybody. Never did anything wrong. He was perfect in everything he did, in the way he thought, 
in his actions, to the way that he dealt with people, to the way that he saw God, the father, everything he did was perfect. He never stepped out of outside of God's law, but even he still had to carry a cross and had to pay a cost for doing what was right. And with Abraham, it was the same thing. He had to leave everything behind. Now, of course, in the end, of course, God gave him many, 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 many descendants as numerous as the stars, as numerous as the, the grains of sand on the seashore. But at the end of the day, it still costed him something. You can't go against the grain and be God's representative without paying a price. And for me, that's one of the first things that stands out to me about Abraham. He believed God. He believed in Jesus that was to come. He believed in the gospel and it was accounted to him as righteousness. So that righteousness is not of us. Nimrod could have been saved, but he chose mm -hmm. to erect a narrative where he worshiped Baal. Baal is transliterated into today in Luciferian worship. The weather above the climate. I'm above God and God can't do anything to me. You notice how it says city. You see all these cities popping up around America. That man creates cities to push nature out. And then they say to the people in those cities, there's no room left on the earth. We have to depopulate. There's so much land in the United States that we toured America over the past, what has it been, three years? Huge swaths of land that are uninhabited, that people are all in their little cities as you're in a city and I'm in a city, Stephen, and we just don't see it outside. But when you and I go out into the, out into the yonder, as they say in Texas, then we see it. Um, you think of Abraham. It says, by faith, it was credited to him or accounted to him as righteousness. He believed God. And I've been thinking a lot about what you've been thinking about, that Abram believed God every step of the way. Yes, At 75 years old, he got a word from the Lord. The Lord stood before him and told him, go out from here and to a land that you do not know. Well, that's a thesis statement. Where was he going to go? So he left. He was told by God to take his son on a three-day journey to Mount Marah and slaughter his son as a sacrifice that would be pleasant to the nostrils of God. And he took his son on that journey. I can imagine he was beckoning God the entire way. God, is there, not, is there some other way? Is there another method? Is there some other tactic? Is there any other way that we can execute that doesn't involve me taking a knife to my son's jugular? And God was silent. Three days, three nights. He finally took his son up to that mount, peeled his son's hair back, looked into the eyes, put the knife up to his neck. And God said, hold it, Abram. And he said, you have been obedient to me in this. Now I'll surely, like you said, give you Israel. I will bless you with your descendants as far as the sand on the seashore. Because we're going through a great test right now. To do what Abram did 
when he absconded from Noah's house to preach about the truth? Are we taking a stand against Nimrod in our day? Are we taking a stand against the people that seek to discredit and dethrone God? It's so interesting, man, because for us today living in the world that we are living in, we have to get to a place to where we are going to walk with God and do what he tells us, us to do no matter what the consequences are, no matter what the repercussions are. Abraham was walking with God so strongly and he was so had so much faith in God that even when God asked him to sacrifice his son, to give up his son, Abraham didn't. He he did it. He was ready to do it. Of course, we know the story, but that is how radical Abraham was. Let me just use that word because that is the perfect word for Abraham. That is how radical Abraham was. He was to the point that he was willing to give up even his own son in allegiance to God and in order to do what it was that <clears throat> that God asked him to do. He was obedient, man. That that's one of the things about Abraham that is 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 always talked about is his faith and his obedience, man. He never wavered. He never wavered. And it's so amazing because this man is is literally the father of the modern day Christian faith. And he's the progenitor of the the nation of Israel. That is a heavy, 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 heavy title to carry. That it's heavy, man. Not even Moses got that, got, got that moniker. And he literally. God used him to pull Israel out of Egypt, but even he didn't get uh, the, 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 the same promises that Abraham got. I mean, if you're reading through Exodus, when you move on through Exodus, Moses didn't even get to see the promised land. So it just goes to show that even with as much favor as Moses had, he still wasn't on the same platform and, and, and had the same uh he didn't have the same the same favor that that Abraham had. Abraham was on a whole nother level. And the things he did in scripture and the way that God uh, used him, man, it's, it's nothing short of. And I hate to use this word, but when I think it's nothing short of legendary, man, and extraordinary. It, it really is. We have never seen. No other man in 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 scripture had the favor that Abraham had. They always talk about David and the things that he did and he was able to do or whatever, but David didn't birth a nation, man. He didn't birth a nation. Without Abraham, you wouldn't have any of those men. David, uh, Moses, uh, Esau, none of those guys. You wouldn't have any of them. Solomon, none of Esther, none of them. They all, he came before all of them. All of them. And without them, you not without that man and the foundation that he laid. And this is why he's so important, man. He he was he he was the ultimate Christian radical. He was the ultimate radical man. Right. The ultimate radical. That's exactly right. Abraham was a man of God who stood against the tide of his age and believed God. Right. So let me just for a second turn to my audience. What are you going to stand for? 
What flag are you going to wave? What banner are you going to uphold? We must become Abrahams. We must forge a new Oregon Trail, if you will. Experience a reawakening. It must form within us a new sense of being. We must forge within our country a new government in line with our constitution. We must elect officials who are righteous and are God-fears. We must take the power back and transliterate it over to God who owns everything anyways. Ladies and gentlemen, you must understand, Nimrod is no longer seeking to build some ziggurat sky high. Nimrod is seeking to build something inside of you. Now let that sit for a moment. The current paradigmatic Nimrodic push is through, you might guess it, you might not, the World Health Organization's Klaus Schwab's mentor, Yuval Noah. He declared, in the 20th century, we had this big fight over statistical discrimination against entire groups of people, African Americans, women, gays, or Jews, based upon faulty information. The much bigger danger in the coming decade won't be this group discrimination, but something far more Kafkaesque, discrimination against individuals. It doesn't give you a loan. It doesn't hire you. The algorithm doesn't like you. The algorithm is not discriminating against you because you are Jewish, Muslim, or gay, but because you are you. There is something about your data that the algorithm doesn't like. It is not about some category you fall into. It is only you. There is something that is different about you versus everyone else that raises some warning sign. And you don't even know what it is. And even if you know what it is, you can't create some political movement around it because there is no one else in the world who suffered from this particular discrimination, end quote. What if me and Stephen told you, Yuval Noah and his cronies had already gotten the ball rolling? Listen to what he stated. In 100 years, we will identify the coronavirus as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin. To collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. The whole idea that humans have this soul or spirit or free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me, that's over, end quote. Now, I want to let that sink in for a moment. What did Yuval Noah mean when he said the coronavirus was the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over? Or when he said to go into the skin, collect biometric data and analyze it. Or when he said this whole idea that we have a soul, spirit, free will, and nobody knows what's happening inside me, that's over. Ladies and gentlemen, Stephen and I have warned you for years. Let's take a quick trip down memory lane. In February 2020, I had announced 
that COVID-19 was a leftist ploy two weeks before Candace Owens even became suspicious, telling you, do not get the vaccine. In May 2021, I had announced that Black Lives Matter was a leftist ploy way before Ben Shapiro ever became suspicious, telling you do not join in the marches. In 2022, I had announced that Ukraine was a leftist ploy way before Tucker Carlson became suspicious, telling you Russia was a last stop shop for freedom. You people need to listen to us now. What Yuval Noah is saying is not a joke. As he continued, quote, now everything is being monitored. Authority came down from the clouds, moved to the human heart, and now authority is shifting back to the Google Cloud and the Microsoft Cloud. If you have a problem in life, whether it is what to study, whom to marry, or whom to vote for, you don't ask God above or your feelings inside. You ask Google or Facebook. If they have enough data on you and enough computing power, they know what you feel already and why you feel that way. Based upon that, they can allegedly make much better decisions on your behalf than you can on your own. All the big religions have been organized around fake news. Just think of the Bible. Fake news lasts forever in some cases. End quote. Now is the time to reject the theory that the vaccine was a good thing. Now is the time to reject the theory that COVID-19 was just some thing in the air. And shout to all these megalomaniac psychopaths who have nothing better to do with their time than to stop on your face with a military boot. Get behind me, Satan. Let me speak on one more illustration and I'll circle around to Nimrod. I promise it will all make sense. Luciferians kill babies, sacrifice them to Lucifer. Now we're going to get really deep here and uncomfortable for our audience, but that's okay. They aren't doing it because they love to watch little babies die. They aren't doing it because they like to hear screams from little kids. We think about child sacrifice the wrong way. This has happened all the way back from the Mayans to the Aztecs, all the way throughout history. It seems in anthropological situations and culture, when a society begins to degrade, child sacrifice is always, is always brought in. You can read the history books on this. I'm sure it'll disseminate some of the literature at a later date. But it's happening today. And Christians don't want to touch it. We don't want to look. We don't want to open our eyes to the horrid facts, the data, the documents that are openly available to the public, but we don't read them. When Luciferians will kill and torture a little baby and excrete adrenochrome that they give to celebrities like Sandra Bullock and others, it's not because they like to see little kids die. These people believe in God. There's a distinction in category from Luciferians and Satanists. Satanists are your little kids who have the recreational drug of being all Satanistic. That's stupid. We're talking about Luciferians who are elite. 
these people will 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 scare and then kill babies not because they like to scare and kill babies but because they think in their heads what is closest to god that i can harm god the most mm-hmm. and they think babies and children are the closest thing to god and if i can harm or scare or torture or massacre babies then I will be affronting God. And this is the same way that we have to think about Nimrod. When Nimrod built that Tower of Babel to create a name for themselves and to erect himself as deity, as divinity, he was not seeking to do it for his own sake. He was trying to harm God. And there are people out there who are running things who are trying to harm God. Abraham was an antibody. He was a guy who turned against the grain. At three years old, after he had been hidden in that cave, he would be hidden in the cave for seven more years. Three years old, they've actually brought him out of the cave. And he saw the sun. And then night turned into night. And then he saw the moon and the stars. And he said, this represents God. Notice it was a distinction between what Abraham said to what Abraham said, uh, what Nimrod said to what Abraham said. Nimrod said, this substance is God. Abram said, it represents God. Then he said, these people are stupid. They don't even make sense. God is not substance in a physical object. The God of my fathers is the one who I worship. At three years old, he naturally knew this. You can tell the baby's morals by the way that he bends. And at 10 years old, his dad sent him to live with Noah. And he was schooled in Noah's house, at Noah's table, with Noah's family for decades. And then the Tower of Babel fell, and then he went out to preach the truth. As you have said, Chase, you know, the innocence of a child yeah the way that god looks at our children is very powerful and may i uh point all of you here to matthew chapter 18 verse 3 and it says this and he said this is jesus speaking i tell you the truth unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is in the kingdom of heaven. Now, keep that in mind as my colleague Chase has reverberated and told you the way that these Luciferians think. It's all being given to you straight, no chaser, raw, unfiltered. Scripture confirms exactly the mentality that we have to have in order to have access to God and his kingdom. And if I destroy children and and, and those things that are, are, are precious to God, oh, I'm 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 trying to hit God where it hurts. We can't even have access to God if we 
first. So I implore our audience to hearken to the things that we have been saying. And as Chase said previously, and everything that is going on in the world today, to the powers that be, to our government, to politics, all of these things have been referenced in scripture. The way that these people operate, the way our government operates, the way these leftist groups operate in government, the way that they control media and health and television, all of these things mm. and their game plan is lined out in scripture. It's spiritual. At the end of the day, all of it is spiritual because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and, and dark evil forces in, in, in high places. This is what we're warring against. Demons and demonic spirits is what we're fighting against. And we we can't fight this battle with our money or with our physical strength or with our worldly possessions. We have to fight it with the word of God, with his sword that cuts deep through bone and marrow, uh, as is said in, in the New Testament in referring to God's word. This is our weapon, and we have to sharpen our weapon by getting into the word of God. We have to understand what it is that we are facing so that we are able to not only guard our hearts and our minds, but also so that we can do battle efficiently. I couldn't have said it any better. Abraham was a man who was called by God. For no other particular reason than God's purposes. And God elected Abraham before the foundation of the earth to lead his people in the foundation of what would become Israel. Now, Abraham had to go through many tests, and you and I have to go through many tests in our lives to become the person that God wants us to be as his conduit of glory to the nations to our nation, to our state, to our community, to our family, and even unto him through ourselves. And as we reflect on these things, remember Abraham. Look in your Bible. Get into the book of Abraham's. Begin in Genesis chapter 11 and read the score of this man who stood against the wiles of his day. I couldn't think of an, any better story to begin with in our podcast in this season than Abraham because there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and right out in front of your face that will affect the way that you live your life down to the job that you have the food that you can eat and the time that you go to bed at night we need to be Abrams we need to leave have been degraded over time in our country. I am Chase Parrish and my co-host Stephen Elderman, and this is Red Space. <laughs>